Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The late American politician, Pat Buchanan, has been both celebrated and vilified as the living link between the nativist, isolationist, and protectionist paleoconservative tradition in GOP politics and the MAGA conservatism associated with Donald Trump. Years ago, at a meeting of the far-right group called the Christian Coalition, he famously said, we are in a war for the soul of the American people. I have been stunned by the sheer hatred preached from so many pulpits across this country. Stunned by the twisting of the teachings of Rabbi Jesus and the disgraceful disregard for the work of some of my greatest heroes, from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to Wangari Maathai, from Kati Kariko to many of you. Pat Buchanan was right. The intellectual and spiritual battle lines have been drawn. And this is spiritual warfare. I didn't choose it, and I don't like it. But Dr. King's words echo in my mind. Now let us begin, he said. Now let us rededicate ourselves to the long and bitter but beautiful struggle for a new world. The choice is ours, and though we might prefer it otherwise, we must choose. This morning, I'm not going to call for us to take to the streets, though some of us have and some of us will. I'm going to challenge us to become articulate about our faith, to prepare ourselves to respond to the hatred fueling Buchanan's long war for the soul of American people with the big heart of universalism. Here's a little background with thanks to my colleague and friend, Reverend Dr. Scott Alexander. American universalism, like its spiritual sister, American Unitarianism, began as a radical and optimistic Christian heresy in response to the grim doctrines of 18th century Calvinism. The story of how and why universalism took root in America can be told by contrasting the messages of two of the most charismatic preachers of that day, Jonathan Edwards and Hosea Ballou. 
Born in 1703, Jonathan Edwards was at the center of the so-called Great Awakening, which was actually an early version of a born-again Christian fundamentalist revival. Sometimes in the pulpit, he would rip off his robes and shred his linen shirt in self-abasing frenzy and disgust at human depravity. He was renowned for bringing whole congregations to fearful wailing as he described the misery and damnation that they deserved and would receive in hell. The world of misery, the lake of burning brimstone is extended abroad up underneath you. Hell's gaping mouth is wide open and you have nothing to stand upon or take hold of. God holds you over the pit of hell much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over fire. This is from Edward's most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. God abhors you. You have offended him, O sinner. You hang by a slender thread with the flames of divine wrath flashing about it and ready every moment to burn it asunder. You have nothing to lay hold of to save yourself. There is nothing you have ever done, nothing you can do to induce God to spare you one moment. Can you imagine coming to church to listen to this drivel? Yet this was the substance and soul of the predominant Calvinism of the day. God is angry and most of humanity is doomed to a hell of eternal damnation. You cannot make this stuff up. Enter universalism. Universalism with its plain and simple theology. Three words, God, is love. God is love. Just that. In direct contradiction to Calvinism, universalism believed in a God of justice and mercy. By God's love and grace, everyone, every single living person would not be damned, but saved. As one early universalist said it, the last sinner will be dragged, kicking and cursing, into heaven. This is the universal salvation for which universalism is named. Early universalist preachers proclaimed every human being to be a child of God, possessing their divine parents' inclination toward goodness and right. Universalism's, universalism's lifeblood was the spiritual insistence that the evil and suffering in the world need not be a pervasive or permanent part of the human condition. Instead of sin-soaked Calvinism, they passionately believed that the natural inclination of God and humanity is toward the good. Born in 1771, the greatest universalist theologian and preacher of the day was Hosea Ballou. His gospel of unconditional inclusion, 
affirming the worth and dignity of all persons, boldly and bravely flew in the face of Calvinism. By 1793, he was preaching to spellbound crowds that rivaled Jonathan Edwards. Joyfully, he proclaimed this gospel of love. Once before a congregation in Philadelphia, he singled out the children and expressed his horror that many of their parents held to the prevailing Calvinist assertion that their children were innately depraved and that most were already doomed to eternal damnation. Lifting his hand from the Bible and pointing over the crowd, he cried, Oh, dear man, dear woman, have you no consideration, no connections in the world? Are you insulated from human nature? I ask you to look at the companions of your bosom. Look on the child of your love and say if you believe it probable that these connections were originally doomed by the decree of heaven to everlasting wretchedness. And do you derive consolation from that belief? The compassionate conviction of universalism's embracing spirit and its big, beautiful heart, the unshakable belief in the inherent worth and dignity of all beings is our spiritual legacy. I don't need to remind you that the manifestations of human depravity are seemingly endless. To believe that God is love is simple. But no one said that living this theology was going to be easy. In fact, it asks of us a fierce tenaciousness, a covenant not to give up on people, the willingness to engage with a broken world and be part of the healing. And in fact, we have learned the hard way that we ignore the modern Jonathan Edwards at our own peril. Hate is easy and love is hard. But universalism calls us to just that, to answer hatred with love. Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. In the 1840s, the Universalist Church was the sixth largest in America. There are many theories as to why it shrank in the ensuing 100 years until 1961, when it merged with the Unitarian Church. I subscribe to the theory that love won. Other denominations sat up and took note of the power of a theology of love, and they too moved to reject a theology of fear. But that pendulum has more than swung back as hellfire and brimstone has regained popularity. And so it's up to us, today's Unitarian Universalists, to reassert our faith of love, mercy, and justice in the face of so much hatred.
And what does that look like? What does it mean to live our faith, to live a doctrine of inclusion and care, to insist on drawing the circle wide? It used to be I could not wait to get out of conversations with fundamentalists of all kinds. Actually, it is still hard to stay, but I got my marching orders from my beloved colleague of blessed memory, Jay Deacon. This is a good universalist story. Jay was the minister of a large fundamentalist Christian church in Chicago. His mind was like a steel trap. He relished taking on anyone who didn't agree with his theology. But clergy colleagues from more progressive faiths didn't give up on him. They kept questioning him, appealing to his intelligence, pointing out the very flawed logic of a faith tradition that lives by scripture that contradicts itself. I'm afraid I would have given up on Jay, but they did not. Years later, he told me, even while I was spewing memorized biblical text at them, their piercing questions would lodge in my brain. I pretended I wasn't listening. But long after those conversations has ended, I'd be turning the evidence to the contrary over and over in my mind. What if my surety was hubris? What if love was the most powerful thing in the world? What if God was love? You people started getting to me. And then one beautiful Sunday in June, clothed in his robes, standing on the steps of his church and watching disdainfully as the Chicago Pride Parade passed by, something very strange happened to Jay. Out of the blue, he was struck with a thought. Jay, the thought said, you're gay. And your religion is all wrong. The pull was magnetic. He literally shed his robes, left them behind on the steps, and joined the parade. Jay Deacon likened his experience to that of the future St. Paul on the road to Damascus. Struck by a brilliant light, he fell to the ground and heard a voice from heaven asking, why are you using violence against me? Jay said, amazing grace, my heart broke open. God is love. My friend Holly Neer told me this story. In his early 20s, her friend Jim, a Vietnam veteran, had come home from the war a little broken. He'd experienced enough senseless violence to last a lifetime. One of the ways that manifested was that he could not stand a raised voice, couldn't bear any kind of harshness or cruelty. Paul was a very tall man, a gentle giant, he became known for his kindness. 
One day, as on most days in the grocery store, a parent was raising their voice to a child. The child wanted something they couldn't have, and the parent was almost certainly at the end of their rope. And then the child really started screaming a full-on tantrum. Most, if not all of us, have been there, usually a little frozen between can I help and it's none of my business. Not Jim. Without a moment's hesitation, he turned his grocery cart around the end of the aisle and drove it full on into an enormous display of canned goods. The thunder of falling cans was deafening. The child went silent. The whole store went silent. And Jim, the upset interrupted, mission accomplished looked around and said, sorry about that. And as everyone steered a wide berth around him, he proceeded to pick up the cans. There are so many inspirational stories of ways we can choose to live our faith. So many ways we have yet to imagine to proclaim our gospel of love. This is an invitation. Let's get creative. I'll close with one of my all-time favorite examples of radical love in the face of hate. On the night of June 12, 2016, a gunman opened fire in Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. In cold blood, he murdered 49 people and seriously wounded an additional 50. The Kansas-based Westboro Baptist Church is categorized by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an extremist hate group and arguably the most obnoxious and rabid hate group in America. After the massacre, the so-called church issued a statement that began, God sent the shooter. And then they did something that they're best known for doing. They showed up carrying signs with hateful homophobic messages intending to disrupt the funerals. Terry DiCarlo, executive director of the local queer community center called for calm and said, we have the ability to counter this hate and show the world that we will not be broken by hate. And this is the part I love. At the murder victims' funerals, some 200 counter-protesters dressed as angels and wearing enormous wings, formed a ring around the mourners, blocking out Fred Phelps' hate-filled followers. Imagine. The visuals are stunning. Imagine. Love. Beloved spiritual companions, This is our spiritual legacy. Love 
compassion, mercy, justice. In the face of intolerance and hatred, the big, beautiful heart of universalism calls us to be angels. May we answer the call and live our faith vividly. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I honor the divine in you. In the spirit of Reverend John Murray, who brought universalism from England to America, go out into the highways and byways of America and give the people something of your new vision. You may possess only a small light, but uncover it, let it shine, use it in order to bring more light and understanding to hearts and minds of all people. Give them not hell, but hope and courage. Do not push them into their theological despair, but preach the kindness and everlasting love of God. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. For your people are my people. Your people are my. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. For your people are my people. Your people are my. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.